You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and we are here with the owner of Abco Systems. Now, Seth Weisberg is awesome. I got the opportunity to meet him. He brings the energy. And not only does he have a wealth of knowledge in a lot of different areas, but he has built a pretty amazing business that is very, very popular right now. And something that I think a lot of business owners are going to be very interested to learn about. Now, let's talk about what Abco Systems is. If you have a business that stocks products, you probably have a warehouse. You also probably like to get those products out of your warehouse pretty quickly and get those to the consumer through sales. Now, as you expand your product line, how do you store more products? How do you do that without adding more warehouse space? Our next guest is a pro at making it all fit. Seth is the CEO of Abco Systems, which is our specialist in material handling and warehouse design. Now, he grew up in the company, started by his father, Michael, uh, as Abco Equipment, and he he went to work there right out of college. Um, And this is something that, you know, he worked for a few years as a business consultant, came back and really helped Abco grow with new ideas. This year, his work was more important than ever uh, as Abco has helped clients really transition to a more e-commerce platform during the pandemic. And he's going to share a little bit more about his success. I got the opportunity to meet Seth when he was in town. He is awesome. I'm so excited to learn more about, you know, this story of Abco Systems uh, and really see how somebody took a family business and then elevated it and made it even better. And that's a story that we can't wait to tell. Thank you so much, Seth, for joining us on this episode of the Brand Butters Podcast. Well, I I mean, I got to tell you, first off, thanks for having me. But, you know, with that, with that intro, I'm not sure there's anything left for me to say. That was <laughs> great. <laughs> that was great. Brian, Brian crushes these intros. And, I, you know, I was going to say, I was like, now we've given our uh, sort of story of Abco Systems. Now give us yours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is it is my favorite topic. It is my favorite topic. So, you know, I, when I went to school originally, I said to my father, you know, what's the point if I'm going to come into the business? And he said, you have to go to school. Uh, and I said, great. Okay, awesome. Um, I wasn't thrilled about it, to be quite frank, but I said, okay, I understand. Um, and he was a, a great parent in that regard, really wanted to give me all the opportunities he never had. Uh, went to school, uh, majored in sociology, which was probably the best thing I ever could have done because the study of people has really um, helped me immensely in my career. Uh, and I got out of school and I worked for my father for 10 months and decided it was the most miserable experience I could ever have had. <laughs> and I wanted out. Um, so I took one class, literally, I took an A plus certification class and started interviewing for different jobs. Uh, I got five out of six that I interviewed for. Ironically, the one that I did not get was the one I wanted the most um, at a company called Coopers and Library, which uh, eventually turned into Price Warehouse Coopers. So I kept saying to them over and over again, I mean, I kept hounding and saying, well, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Because I knew I needed a big name on my resume. Long story short, they told me, uh, you know, get a job similar to what they do because they wanted me to have a little bit more experience when I came in. Um, Took a job, followed up with them. They followed up with me. Uh, About a year later, they gave me an opportunity. Uh, The job I was with, uh, the company was actually on the decline. So my manager said, yeah, go, absolutely, with, with his blessing. Went, worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers for six years, and and my father then came to me uh, in a 2003 and said, listen, I'm having some health problems. In fact, he just had his fifth heart attack, and he needed some help. So came into the business, 
At the time, we we're doing about a million dollars a year. Um, good amount of debt. I mean, my father really specialized in something called garment on hanger. So, you know, that rod in your closet's about three feet, maybe five feet long, holds your clothes. Um, he would build those in the hundreds of thousands of linear feet uh, to store product that was ultimately uh, stored on hanger. Um, well, with shipping and technology changes, garment on hanger started to go away and his business started to fade, you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s. So when I came in, uh, a big part of what we decided to do was really turn it from Abco Equipment, which was the original name to Abco Systems, because we wanted to sell more systems. And we put a strategic plan in place to, to figure what does this industry need? So we went from selling just um, part of a system into providing entire systems. We turned ourselves almost in, even into a, a general contractor of of the material handling industry so we would bring in fire protection people we would bring electrical people would bring in dock doors um and we would put it all together and we went from that place from putting in this one thing into many different things so then we were doing mezzanines and and multi-level catwalks something that's referred to in the industry as a pick module um, we started doing conveyance and sortation we really started putting it all together and and we've become a, a systems integrator ultimately a systems integrator works with um a, a bunch of different vendors again similar to a general contractor to a certain degree and and they put in systems into anyone from the men's warehouse to nordstrom uh to walmart to amazon um, not all companies that I've worked with, but everybody stores something. Uh, you know, the, the the country isn't really known for manufacturing at this point, right? Mm -hmm. So everything comes in from overseas and it's got to be stored someplace before it goes out to a store. Um, well, with the decline of brick and mortar and the increase of e-commerce, probably five, six, seven years ago, reading the writing on the wall, we started to really focus on e-commerce. So we're focusing on entry level type of opportunities something called print and apply, which automatically applies uh, uh, labels to boxes where it goes through the conveyor. Um, we're doing pick to light systems and put to light systems where we're really using basic automation to increase productivity, overall decrease costs and decrease the amount of problems that people are having. It's, it's a very different environment to pick uh, multiple items that are ultimately same skew into one box versus picking uh, on average 1.8 to 2.8 items that come from all over a giant warehouse into one box and or into multiple boxes, then go to your home. I mean, you can order something from Amazon, Lululemon or, or whoever, and it could come in three boxes. Well, there's still so much more to be done in this industry because shipping three boxes is obviously not the best way to do it. So we're 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 working to continue growing the brand we're working to continue growing the business um and put ourselves into a place where we have the opportunity to help our customers create a more efficient throughput through their building so when you say you're more of a contractor you're say i'm amazon and i come to you and we want to build a new distribution center pennsylvania charlotte wherever we are we hire you to to implement and manage 
incorporating those systems in the warehouse and, and, and all of that. Is that correct? Am I understanding that properly? Yeah. So we've moved away from the, from the general contractor to some degree, that was kind of how we helped build the brand, Okay. but it's still accurate. It really is still accurate. So I'm glad that you said that because if Amazon was to hire us, we would, depending on what they're looking for, we would bring in somebody for robots. Although Amazon in this instance might not be the best example because they've got their own robots, right? But um, any other company, we would bring in somebody for robots. We would design uh, potentially a mezzanine that the robots would go on. We would design a multi-level pick module where you can where you store your product. And a pick module is a little bit different um now and we can get into that in the future that's you know that's probably a little bit too much for the moment but so we would design everything in-house and then we work with our different manufacturers to, to to actually create the product and then the product would all get shipped to the warehouse and we would put it in but we work with different uh controls companies we work with different software companies we work with different uh, manufacturers so we really do it's 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 working with each individual customer and that's that's the fun of it, right? It's almost like a like a like a like a blank canvas every time, because mm-hmm. even similar customers do things differently. They have a different distribution model. They have different boxes. They have different movers that that you know skews that move fast versus skews that move slowly. So so we work with them to find the best distribution method or the best build out based on their desired distribution method. So, so it really does, it really in, in a lot of ways is like a general contractor because we bring in all of the best um, vendors and we bring it all into one place and ultimately install it. So we control the entire process, but we work with a lot of people in order to do that. Do you work globally or mainly in the, in the U.S.? In the U.S., in the U.S. For a long time, it was really just New Jersey, tri-state area, really. Um, we would branch out from time to time. And then as the as the distribution uh, model grew and as our customers grew, they they kept bringing and giving us more and more opportunities. So we've been lucky enough. I mean, call it call it luck, call it training, call it the right place at the right time. But but our our methodology is customer service. We realize that anybody can provide anything. Sure. So our 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 best brand builder for us is our customer service. I mean, we've. uh, we uh, the vast majority of our business up until now is all repeat business and or word of mouth. Um, we've started because we've grown so much over the last four years, five years. We've started to really advertise because we need to, because we need to f- feed the engine, the you know build the feed the beast that we've created here. But but ultimately, um, for the most part, we went from the tri-state area to really up and down the eastern seaboard. Uh, into the middle of the country. And now we've got an office in LA. Uh, we're opening an office in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina as well. And, and we're, we're really opening pretty much everywhere, but we can be anywhere in the country. Um, we've done some work in Canada. We've done some work in Mexico, but for the most part, it, it's really the U.S. So you go on your website and it's incredible. And I think a lot of people would be shocked to understand really what, um, goes into not only warehouse design, turnkey materials, but from e-commerce, you know, design, conveyor systems design. Like this is legit. And it also is something that's very unique. You mentioned getting really, or I guess building this up a lot in the last five to six years. Clearly when COVID hit, e-commerce fulfillment was at an all-time high. You know, we work in a business where, 
you know, people were so excited to get custom boxes sent everywhere. It was all about oh, fulfillment. Yeah. I need I need dropship opportunities all over the place. So I want to ask you, have you started to see a change, not only in the last 18 months, but really the type of industries that are now requesting warehousing space, the companies now that are doing fulfillment. I know out at Delta in Atlanta has an entire warehouse just for promo stuff that they ship out. And it's literally like a hundred thousand square foot warehouse just for things with Delta's logo on it. If you would have told Delta CEO 15 years ago, they're going to have a hundred thousand square foot warehouse for fulfillment. He probably would have fallen off his chair. (laughs) So tell me about, about that journey and it just seems like every industry now has the need for not only warehousing, but creating a very customized approach to fulfillment. Yeah. So the 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 industry has changed so fast; it's almost difficult uh, to encapsulate. There's so much has changed, and and you know it's funny. I, I this was such a niche industry even ten years ago. Amazon really did create a culture change. Um, and they're such a beast. They're they're so enormous. But they've shown people that if if you are properly putting money and investing in your distribution, you're you're going to be a better business. And not only are you going to be a better business, but you're going to save money. You know, one of my one of my mentors many years ago, uh, when we were getting into the automation game, said to me. And it's so basic, right? It's so basic. But if you're shipping ten thousand items a day, and you're and it's and it's costing you two dollars an item to ship, but all of a sudden you're changing your game, you're changing your distribution method, and you're now shipping for a dollar an item a day. Well, that's a big savings. On top of that, there's there's just been an enormous shift in the sense that if you're not keeping up then you're just not going to even be in business. Like it used to be about ROI, right? Well, I want to put this conveyor system in, or I want to put this pallet rack in. And, and I, I, what's going to be my ROI? Is it going to be three years? Is it going to be five years? I, I visited a, a major retailer not that long ago, and we asked what their expected ROI was on it. And they said they didn't even do it. They didn't even check. And, and we said, why? We don't understand. They said, because it's not, it's not even about ROI today. It's about staying relevant. So if 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 companies aren't shipping quickly, they're not going to be in the game anymore. So everything has changed and the industry's on fire to a point where it's almost hard to keep up for any average person. It's hard for us to keep up. The amount of opportunities that come our way is a little bit shocking. Our best year, which was 2019, we actually came pretty close to it in 2020, even everything with COVID, everything going on. Um in terms of sales, we we pretty much beat it in within six months of 2021. Um, so so the 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 transition uh, from what, you know exactly what you're saying, like what it was like and and what you were looking at years ago versus what you're looking at today, it, it's night and day. And you know, as I started saying, it used to be a bit of a niche industry. When I got into it, and I would tell people what I do. People would have no idea what I'm talking about. And nobody really grew up saying, you know what? I want to be in material handling. No, people grew up saying, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a fireman or a policeman. So so you didn't necessarily get the cream of the crop, right? Because nobody went to school for this. Uh, there, was no, there was no distribution logistics in school. Um, now, don't misunderstand me. There's a lot of brilliant people that, that ultimately cut their teeth in this industry over the last 25 years. But what you're seeing now is you're seeing people that are educated 
today in school, in high school, in trade school, in college. There's master's degrees for this stuff. So you're seeing people come in with a culture shift that started with Amazon, but has now changed to such a degree that there's so many smart people doing so many incredible things in the industry. What we've seen in the last five to 10 years is almost nothing, in my opinion, for what we're going to see over the next 10 years. So it's interesting when you you talked about how kind of like everything has started to change specifically around this. And you mentioned the Amazon effect. You know, we're in the business of, of selling customized product. And I can tell you just in the six years that I've been in this industry, really the demand and the need for it immediately has changed a lot, right? Um, there was a study that I read that basically if someone buys a product online and it takes anywhere between 10 to 14 days to get their order, they start to question why they ordered it. Right. Oh, yeah. So Amazon's like, buy it today, get it today. You feel really proud about that item that you just bought from Amazon because you That's got right. it before you even got home from work. But <laughs> right. if you buy something from Amazon, which they've had some issues now, and it comes in 10, 12, 14, 21 days, not only are you doubting if you should have bought it, you're now not even in, in liking that. You don't even like the product anymore, right? <laughs> you have like exactly a, so, right. so it's crazy how they've created that just speed to market. When you talk with these companies, is that like, when you mentioned the experience, the most important thing, is it like, we need to create this because we need to take this product and get it in the hands of our consumer as fast as possible. Well, and that's, you bring up a super point. And the fact of the matter is, whether people believe it or not, everyone's competing against Amazon. Um, We don't currently work for them. Hopefully someday we'll have that opportunity. Um, But right now, literally everybody is working, is competing against Amazon. Because if you can, and, and one of the things they do that's really, really incredible, it's not just their distribution method, it's their technology. You press two buttons on your phone on a Sunday, and by Monday at 10 o'clock, it could be it could be waiting at your house. Worst case scenario, by Tuesday at ten o'clock, it's actually at your house. So right now, it really is getting to a point where where if you're not if you're not spending time and effort on your distribution, exactly what you said. If it takes ten days, people lose interest. We are a we are a species with a very very short attention span. So. If somebody wants something, and that's why that's why brick and mortar actually I think has a great opportunity right now because that's still going on, that's still happening. But if you go to a store, half the time they don't have your size, or half the time they don't have a, a different color or whatever. You almost have to go online. So there really is a lot of opportunity for brick and mortar. And the shift before COVID, the shift into e-commerce was only about 10%, 12% which is an enormous shift, right? That's an enormous change in any business model that's enormous. But the fact of the matter is it's still only 10 or 12%. Imagine when it's 40%, imagine when it's 50%. So, I mean, your, your, your point is extremely appropriate. It's the go-to-market strategy that people have right now has to take into fact, has to take into account that people have a small attention span. People want something, they want it now. It's fascinated me how COVID has affected different industries or or the pandemic. Um, are you seeing? I I would assume based on everything you've said uh, that you're seeing accelerated business opportunities because of the pandemic. Uh, just Absolutely. from the simple fact that maybe my grandmother now knows how to order off Amazon because she sure. couldn't leave her house for a year or whatever it was. Um, so in your world, 
it, it sounds like you you had a pretty good year last year and, and you have some good opportunities ahead. Yeah, all things considered last year, you know, we were projected to do significantly more than we did. Um, there was a number of projects that were canceled for obvious reasons. And exactly like you said, I mean, COVID really did create opportunities. Unfortunately, of course, for some industries, not so much, but for some, created enormous amounts of opportunities, right? Um, and distribution is one of them. And you're exactly right. That's a great point. There's so many people that were not comfortable being online, shopping online, that had to become comfortable. Right. They were forced to. So the consumer base grew exponentially out of necessity. So so for us, yeah, we've, we've noticed an enormous, enormous increase, but it's an interesting time. And we try and keep our finger on the pulse as much as possible because we want to stay ahead of the curve, right? But industrial commercial real estate, all-time high, extremely expensive. You can't you can't even find space. Um, when you can find space, it's the best customers ultimately that are getting that space. I mean, I know I know great people and great businesses that are doing really really well that can't get space because Amazon is is applying for that same space. And who does the landlord want? Do they want Amazon, <laughs> right? Um, or do they want, or do they want, you know, your your family-run 3PL that's crushing it and has an amazing business, but you know, might not have the same credit or same uh, panache as, as Amazon, right? So there's 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 a lot going on right now, but it it really talks about inflation too. And I might be going a little bit too far right now, but the cost of steel is sky high. But it's not even just the cost of steel; it's getting that steel. Mm-hmm. So what we're noticing as much as anything else, yeah, we've got a lot of opportunity and a lot of people are pulling the trigger faster than they did in the past, simply because they're afraid that costs are going to continue rising. However, there's also a lot of people that are not pulling the trigger because they're hoping that costs are going to come down. So you definitely have people on both sides, but then we're also seeing delays. I mean, we get we get calls almost weekly with delays based on availability of raw materials. So I worry significantly. I mean, I'm just an anxious person. I've, I was born that way, but I worry all the time about the way things are going to go because yes, the, the distribution methods have changed and the culture's changed. So people realize they absolutely have to adapt with the times, but at the same time, with the rising cost of everything, eventually that's going to be turned around to the consumer. I do think people need a living wage. Absolutely. I do think people need opportunities 100 but with the rising cost of labor rising costs of material handling equipment uh, you know due to cost of steel due to cost of wood rising costs of commercial industrial real estate it, it's going to to ultimately translate into higher costs for the consumer always does always Has to. Always i mean does. we we as business people have to in order to operate our business, work a certain margin. <laughs> and yeah. if, if if our costs continue to rise, yeah, maybe we can absorb a little bit of that for a little bit of time. Sure. But eventually, we have to increase price and relay that down. That's exactly right. And I think we it's, all don't, we're all trying not to, right? Because of course, of course, our customer base, no matter what industry you're in, our customer base wants the best deal they can possibly get, right? Because they've got their own costs. Of course. So it's this cycle that is really difficult to to beat. I mean, it's a cycle that's really difficult to combat because everybody does want the best price, yet at the same time, everybody needs to earn enough to actually keep running the business. 
That's right. So where does it give? Where does it break? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. 100%. It's also, I mean, we talk about this all the time. Like we're not a business, we're not in business to make money, but we have to make money to be a business, right? Like, right. It, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're here to, to make a living, right? Yeah. Um, one thing I want to jump into, and I think this is really interesting, and we've run into it a lot in our industries and in our manufacturing facilities is labor shortages, right? Yeah. You look at lead times on products that we pretend or, you know, usually pre-COVID, you know, production could be four to six days, five to seven days. Now we're looking at 15 to 20 business days, right? Yeah. Substantially. And, and a lot of it is due to labor. Do you sure. see a lot of people that are reaching out now that maybe we're like, well, I'm never going to get into, you know, robotic material handling. I'm never going to get into, you know, investing in all of this technology. And now they have such a huge labor shortage that they're saying, oh my God, I'm calling Abco systems, right? I can't, I can't have Bobby call in sick all the time. I can't have Joe not show up to work. You know what? It might be unfortunate, but I'm going to make the investment now in technology and, and hire people that might be more educated to run that machinery, to create a faster process, to create something that's more efficient, and ultimately to get their product to the consumer quicker. Are you seeing companies make drastic changes in the last 18 months that they never really thought they were going to do, or maybe they never even thought they needed to do? Sure. Well, you hit the nail on the head two times that, that I'd like to comment on. One, agree with your statement about money, right? We say all the time, we're not swinging for the fences. We don't want home runs. If you hit a home run, oftentimes that that could potentially piss somebody off. I'm much more interested. We're much more interested in creating long-term relationships. So for us, singles and doubles all day long. Yep. We just want to stay busy. We want to keep our vendors busy. We want to keep them happy with us. We want to keep our team busy. Uh, and we want to keep our customers happy because they know they're getting great service for good pricing. So that's that's been our methodology forever. So I can really relate to that. On the flip side of what you just said, uh, yes, 100%, we're seeing that quite a bit. Right now, with the labor shortage, with uh, challenges with somebody being sick, with uh, potential lawsuits, right? People are a liability. No matter how you slice it, I mean, people are wonderful. People are amazing, right? But if we're talking about a business perspective, people are also a liability. Yes, you need them. So, of course, right? But but at the same time, there's a ton of people, a ton of people coming to us and saying, how do we reduce our labor count? How do we reduce the need for people to be picking? I used to see buildings that would just go to, to um, labor companies. And, you know, during busy season, they would have 100, maybe 200 people extra during busy season. They're, people are trying to get away from that right now. One, one, you can't find them. The labor companies are all scrambling for people. Two, it, people want to save money as much as humanly possible. So if you've got a machine that can ultimately run 12 hours, 18 hours, even 24 hours a day with no issues, everyone's looking to find that way to save that money, to be more efficient. Machines tend to make mistakes less. Now they break down, so you need skilled people to fix them. But at the same time, they do tend to make mistakes less. So you're creating efficiency through the warehouse. You're reducing errors. And once you've paid for it, you know, it's paid for. So once you've hit your ROI, you're ultimately running for significantly cheaper than you were in the past. Now, technology today is very, very expensive. And if you're putting in some, some really high level stuff, cutting edge stuff, it gets expensive very quickly. So the ROI is there. But again, I can't stress enough. It's less about ROI today. It's more about being relevant in business. 
I, we work with a ton of 3PLs, right? Third party logistics company. We work with so many of them. It's, it's how we cut our teeth. It's how we built our business. And we work with them all over the country. Right now, I've seen a bunch that have added automation, meaning like conveyance to bring product through the building, sortation to bring it to specific doors, um, conveyance to bring it into the actual truck itself. And I've seen and I've seen people that that did not add it. And the level of success and the level of ability is is enormously different. I mean, I've got customers that are shipping 30, 40, 45,000 units a day versus customers that are, you know, shipping four or 5,000 units a day. And, and keep in mind, the more you ship, the more money you're making. So as a 3PL, their business model is efficiency. Their business model is to move product through their building. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting time in that regard. And yes, uh, to sum up, to answer your question, there's, there's been quite a bit of interest in exploring different opportunities simply to reduce reliance on labor. With all that said, are you seeing, since the pandemic or during this time, are you seeing more and more and having more conversation with your client base about more and more manufacturing coming back to the U.S.? Just, just from simple you, you know, supply chain issues that we're all experiencing and, and the price of containers to get it from China or Orient or wherever it is, and, yeah. the, the, and just the simple tension between U.S. and China it seems like is ongoing. Um, are you seeing more of that shift coming back and hearing more about it or, or no? I am seeing it. You know, it's funny. I had a conversation with a customer just last week, a container uh, coming from China that was, you know, in the general neighborhood, this is not my expertise by any means, general neighborhood of, of $3,000 to $3,500 is now about fourteen dollars to $15,000. I've heard, yeah. And, and again, the challenge isn't necessarily paying for it. The challenge is getting the container. So yeah, I've I've heard rumblings about about manufacturing uh, coming back here, um, but there's natural challenges in the U.S. with manufacturing, and it's hard for the U.S. to compete in terms of cost with a lot that's going on overseas. Um, so I I am skeptical to see it come back for a number of different reasons, but I certainly hope it does. Uh, I think that there's a lot of of value and benefit in terms of steel manufacturing, manufacturing for, for things in our industry, um, I, we're already looking into what we can possibly do over here. Sure. Well, you eliminate all the container mess and shipping and ports. That's and exactly right. All that we've stuff. Always been, we've always been domestic. We tend to be very, very loyal to a lot of our, our vendors, um, which has been great for us throughout COVID, um, simply because they know that when things return back to normal, six months, 12 months, you know, who knows, maybe two years, I'll still be with them. They also know that other people that might or might not be opportunistic might very well, you know, go back to what they're doing in the past. Right. So our vendors have been very good to us. And for the most part, everything for us is domestic. Um, but we're also working on picking up new vendors now. And, and that's one of our goals one of the ways we're building our brand is we're getting best in breed for all the different things that we do. We want to offer our customer base as much opportunity through technology, through various different manufacturing and through various different products. So, so we've reached out to a lot of different companies and, and we're creating good relationships with them for the most part. They're, they're all domestic as well, uh, simply because I'm nervous. You know, there's a pallet rack, which is a very basic, uh, product, you know, it's how you store bulk storage, 
a big big product on pallets um a lot of people go to china to get that a lot of people go overseas for it and that's changed significantly now some people are still doing it um but again just the shipping which used to be relatively inexpensive is now very very expensive so the costs have changed very very uh, you know very much over the last even six months so yeah i I imagine a lot a lot of manufacturing what's already done here is is just going to increase and i know my manufacturers are all having a very very difficult time keeping up that's right and for companies it might be worth just spending a little extra just to damn get your hands on it <laughs> you know absolutely <laughs> absolutely versus it sitting in some port or out in the ocean on a container and can't get in or or not shipped at all you know that's exactly uh, right speed that's to exactly market right. to your point yeah. yeah so this has been fascinating i think there's a lot of you know business owners and people that would be listening to this you know maybe people even in our industry that are manufacturers that are looking for a better way to do things um, sure. if they are interested and want to have that conversation, what is the best way to get in touch with you, get in touch with your team and start that process of really evaluating and understanding if they are a good fit and if, uh, if Abco systems could be a solution for them? Well, I mean, listen, I'd love to hear from them. Uh, my email address is Seth W S E T H W at abcosystems.net. We've got an incredible team here. So, so I would ultimately take that call in, have an initial conversation, work with uh, uh, the sales leadership and put them in touch with the right people and and uh, and proceed forward from there. But yeah, I'd love to hear from anybody that's got questions, anything that we can do to help. Um, we tend to be a little bit over the top, like I said, in terms of customer service, and we're looking to really show our value to customers. So we've got a full engineering department. We continue to hire engineers. That's another part. If there's any good engineers out there that are yeah. listening to this, uh, we'd love to bring them on. Um, good salespeople. I mean, we're always looking for, we're looking for conveyor mechanics. I mean, that's that's a big part of our problem right now is, is we almost can't handle the growth that we're feeling, uh, the growth that we're seeing. So yeah, I, I certainly appreciate you asking that question. And yeah, SethW.AbcoSystems.net is the best way for the initial contact. I love it, man. This is, uh, it's been great and fascinating to learn more about your business. I know your, your dad and your family, you know, are so proud of you, not only for taking the business where it was, but being innovative and, and growing something that everybody can be proud of. I think you can look at a lot of family owned businesses when they pass down from generation to generation. It usually doesn't go that way. You know what I mean? It's typically a down, a downward slope till it's, till it's all gone. You did the complete opposite. You took a small business, um, you know, right there at that million mark and it have grown it substantially. And, and all of that's through you not being afraid to be innovative, to go and challenge, you know, the status quo, to go out and say what's going to be next. And I think Abco Systems is prepared to have, you know, not only a, a great, you know, next 10 years, but I think it's something that you'll be around for a while because if you look at business right now, if you're not willing to adapt, if you're not willing to get out of your comfort zone, if you're not willing to take that next step, then you're going to be the blockbuster videos of your industry, right? Like it's just going to happen. You know, things are changing so fast that if you're not willing to do that, there's going to be someone that's going to jump in and and, and they will be willing to do that. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of nuggets that you've put out on this podcast that I think, you know, not only business owners that are interested in working with Abco Systems or even in that type of field that can really be inspired to, to make sure that they're taking that jump. So, you know, I just appreciate you opening up and and sharing more about about you and uh, and about the history of your business. Well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. I would I, I look forward to the opportunity to come back and see you guys um, anytime you want me. Uh, anytime you have an opportunity, uh, there's so much we can talk about. I want to know more about you guys. 
Um, so yeah, thanks. Grateful to be here. Thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, and Seth, man, prayers to your father. Um, I heard you say fifth heart attack. That's, that's huge, man. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep you in mind and, I appreciate and our that. thoughts and prayers for sure. I'll tell you what, if I may. So that was actually in 2003. That's why I came in. Um, and he retired about five years after that. But, but recently he had about, you know, he fought cancer, lost his prostate. Um, I saw the uh, bracelet on your website. He, and... This guy is a badass. This guy is an animal and he defines work ethic. So, so that to me is what, what, what I've gotten most out of him. Um, and I, you know, I just went to go visit him this past weekend, visiting my mother and he's, he's still fighting. He's still doing his thing and he's still living a, a good life. And, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't say enough about the opportunities he's provided me and, uh, and uh, you know, thank you for saying that. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thank you for being okay. here. We we appreciate it. What yeah. a great story. All right. right on, guys. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you, you Seth. Uh, everyone that's listening, please like, share, comment. Go check out Abco Systems. Uh, it's a really, really cool company. They're obviously doing, uh, you know, a lot of amazing things. Uh, and there's so much more to the story. You know, we could sit here and talk to Seth forever. But Seth, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this episode of the Brand Builder Podcast. We're so excited to have you here and, and really just excited to, to see the journey. Um, I'm blessed to have a few friends that, that work with you. So I'll be, I'll have a front row seat to see what you guys uh, do as an organization. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see, uh, to see where you go from here. Right on, right on. Thanks, Seth. Awesome. Thank you guys. Enjoy the day. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.